As I was noting before, uh, we have a special guest speaker, Superintendent Randy Myers. Uh, he uh, was a pastor for a long time over at our Bend Church, and then for the last, well, since 2015 is the number I've been given. So back the last seven years, he has been our uh, superintendent of the Pacific Conference. And he actually is retiring. You may not know that, but he's retiring at annual conference, which starts tomorrow. So this will be officially his last sermon that he probably preaches before he is retired. Now, if he's like most pastors, you don't really ever retire and never do this again. I'm sure he's going to be preaching somewhere again. But because of it's his last sermon here, uh, we have a cake downstairs afterward. And so you are invited downstairs for fellowship time. We'll have um, some cake and, and, and a great time to get to know each other. Maybe say hi to him and give him warm wishes on his retirement. So with that, Randy, I'm going to have you come forward and you can just take it from there. Uh, and we are looking forward to this. Linda. Junior church is dismissed. I forget all these little details. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Yep. Well, good morning. It's really good to be here today. And uh, yeah, I am actually kind of retiring. I'm not sure what that is all about. Some of you know, I kind of feel like I'm going into an abyss, like what exactly is going to happen after that magic time of retirement. We have a number of things that we kind of want to do and we hope to do and all that kind of stuff. So actually, I've got two and a half more days to be superintendent. And then, I'm a no, and then I'm a nobody, right? I don't know, you know, don't have any title in front of me. That's fine. So the theme this year for our Pacific Conference has been one word. And that word is impact. And the reason we picked that word is because we believe that God wants us to make a difference in the world around us. Amen? And I think in our culture, maybe as Christians, we feel marginalized. Through COVID, we feel isolated. But God has called us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Actually, we reflect his light, don't we? He's even called us to be ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, and all that is impact. And whether you realize it or not, you make an impact in your sphere of relationships at work, your neighbors, your family. And it's my desire that all of us would allow God to work in our lives so that we can make a greater impact for the kingdom. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm just going to read part of this. Um, this is part of a larger sermon that Jesus gave. No doubt the most famous sermon in the world is called the Sermon on the Mount because we believe he, he gave it by the shores of the Sea of Galilee on a a mountainside, and he spoke many truths here as uh, part of this message that he gave to his disciples and to those that were listening. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Um, whether you have a Bible or you've got a phone or a tablet, uh, let's look to the Word of God this morning. Jesus says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp, or pardon me, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. For a few moments this morning, we're going to look at three areas of impact. Your treasures, your worldview, and your relationship with God. Three, I call them three life-changing questions. And the answers to these questions will determine the impact that your life will have. All right, you ready? Let's begin with question number one. Question number one is, what am I storing? Jesus, in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, talks about the fact that you and I can be storing in one of two places, right? We can be storing things in heaven, or we can be storing things on earth. One of my favorite jokes is uh, this wealthy businessman, and he could be a business or a businesswoman. I'll do I'll do businessman just to make it more simple because I'm a guy, right? Uh, very wealthy. He came to the end of his life, and he began to pray, and he said, "God, would you make a special exception? Would you allow me?" to bring some of my wealth to heaven. And God, believe it or not, said, okay, I'll allow you to bring one suitcase of wealth. So the guy thought, he goes, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my money and, and buy gold bars, and I'm going to fill my suitcase and take it to heaven. Have you heard this joke before? So anyways, he dies. By the way, here's a news flash: We all will pass away someday. And he gets to heaven, of course, I mean, tradition, I mean, folklore says Peter will be there. And Peter was at the door and uh, saw this guy carrying a suitcase. I mean, basically dragging it, right, because it was full of these gold bars. And St. Peter said, what, what are you doing? You, you can't bring anything to heaven. He goes, well, I got an exception, got special permission from God. So, you know, Peter had to get on the phone and say, ah, oh, this guy got this guy at the door he, he's carrying a suitcase. Can he come in? And, and of course, whoever's on the other line, by the way, this is a stupid story, said, <laughs> okay. So Peter said, just out of curiosity, what do you have in that suitcase? And the guy was just all excited, and he opens up his suitcase, and Peter looks at the suitcase. He looks at the guy, and he says, can I ask you a question? Why did you bring pavement into heaven? Got it? Ah, I know, it's a groaner, all right? But did you know that Jesus talked about our possessions, our riches, our treasure, more than he did about heaven and hell combined in the New Testament? Why is that? Because we spend so much of our time making money, saving money, worrying about money, right? It can, it can consume us. And here Jesus points out, do not store up for your treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with treasures. There's nothing wrong with things. You and I need things just to be living. The word store up is an interesting word in the Greek. It means to keep safe that which is of great value. It's the idea, what are you hoarding? What are you clinging to? So you could translate this, do not be clinging for yourself treasures on earth. And Jesus here gives a warning, he gives a reason why. He says, because moths and vermin destroy it, 
and thieves are going to break in and steal it. Let me give you a couple problems about our earthly treasures. Number one, they will never last. No, you can't take your gold to heaven, all right? We don't take anything to heaven with us, all right? Never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You just can't take it with you. It's interesting, during Christ's day, there were three sources of wealth. You can write these in your notes if you want, but there was clothing, there was food sources like livestock, um, crops, etc., and then there were precious metals and jewels. And when Jesus talked about these things destroying our riches, he addressed those three things. Our clothes, all right, destroyed by moths. Our food sources, destroyed by vermin or worms, depending on your... And, and then the, the, the third is our precious metals. Thieves break in and steal. Jesus was saying, you can lose it all. In fact, eventually you will. Speaking about retirement, um, this is a lousy year to retire, just to let you know. You know, uh, my, my our, our, not my, but our pension has plummeted. Inflation is going crazy. And I got to be honest with you. I look at this passage I, and I have to ask myself, where's my trust? What am I clinging to? Where are my treasures? It's so easy for us to depend on worldly things rather than trusting in God. Second, and here's, here's a news flash, earthly treasures never satisfy. They never do. The younger generation has actually kind of learned from us that are baby boomers and older. They've seen us accumulate a lot of things. The younger generation... I don't know if you've heard of this term, but minimalism. They don't want as much. Now, it drives us crazy, and some of it is actually maybe laziness. I don't know. But they really don't believe you are happier with a bigger house. You're not, you're not happier with a faster car, all right? And they've, they've, it's true. Things do not bring happiness. They really don't. It was Rockefeller who was asked one time, how much money is enough money to make you happy? And he said, just a little bit more. You're never, never satisfied. So, Jesus said, don't store up your treasures on earth where all these things can destroy your, your, your securities that you think you're secure, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Store up for your treasures in heaven. Um, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus told a parable, and he said, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he went on to tell a story. You all know about the story. There's a guy that was doing very well. And he thought, man, I'm going to build bigger barns, bigger storage units, and I'm going to live a wonderful life. And the fact is, that night he passed away, all right? In verse 21, I want you to notice this. It says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up. By the way, the same Greek word, stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
So one of the questions we have to ask ourselves, how do I store up riches in heaven? And I'm going to tell you what, how to do that. Okay, It's by being generous. God has blessed us not so that we can go, oh, God has blessed me. <laughs> Anything that God has given you that's good. And by the way, the Bible says all good things come from the, from the Father. But he's given us those things so that we can bless other people. See, the problem here is greed, all right? It's, it's greed. Greedy people are storing up things on earth. Giving people are storing up things in heaven. And by the way, in your notes you can write this, the cure for greed is giving. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the more you and I give, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our... Giving is a heart thing. By the way, you can have very little and be greedy. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you have. And you can have a lot and be very generous. First Peter chapter 6. In fact, if you have a Bible, I wouldn't mind having you turn... I'm... I'm I'm a guy, when I preach, I look to a lot of passages, so just hang in there, right? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Teach those who are rich in this world. And by the way, don't shut off this verse. Um, One-third of the world lives less than, with, with, with less than $2 a day. So if you make more than $2 a day, you're wealthier than much, you know, many people in, in, the, in the world today. All of us are wealthy in comparison to the world. So when, when it says here, teach those who are rich, I don't think any of us are exempt from that. Okay, so here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. And all God's people said, Amen, all right? Their trust should be in God. See, now Paul here is contrasting where our trust is. Is it going to be in our money? Is it going to be in the earthly things? Or is it going to be in heavenly things? Their trust should be God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I love that. So we do have things for our enjoyment. Again, nothing wrong with things. The danger becomes when we put our value in our valuables. <laughs> Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. So, like as I mentioned, it's not just about giving your money. It's about, about, about doing good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. And I want you to notice, if you have your Bibles open, the next phrase. Because the next phrase, we again find the same Greek phrase, storing up. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So the very first question, the very first life-changing question is what am I storing 
What's your answer to that? Honestly, are you storing up things for yourself? Are you focused on material gain? Or are you saying to God, I'm willing to be giving, giving? You know, in the Bible it says, even a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name will be rewarded. It's, it's even giving the little things. It, it can be something, just an act of kindness. But if anybody should be noted or seen as giving, it's those of us that have the greatest giver in our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself. I like what Randy Elkhorn said. Don't, he said this, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. <laughs> so question number one, life question number one is, how or what, what am I serving? Question number two, you ready for question number two? Question number two is, how am I seeing? How am I seeing? Because in this passage, Jesus goes on and shares about the things that come into our lives through the eye. A number of years ago, it's probably been eight years ago now, um, my parents lived in Canby, and now they live in Homewoods. But, when, but in Canby, they um, drove to Oregon City Church, and now they're not driving, at least at this point they're not driving. But one Sunday morning, they got in the car, and both of them began to complain about their eyesight. And uh, my dad was driving, and he goes, you know, things just seem a little out of focus. They got to church, and the words were on the screen, and my mom looked at the screen, and she goes, I can't, I can't read the words on the screen. And so they began to talk to one another, and they, they thought, well, maybe we're, something's happened in our home. Maybe it's, I don't know, whatever. It can car carbon monoxide poisoning cause you to lose your eyesight? Because we both are losing our eyesight. They made it home, and later in the afternoon, they're, I don't know if they were watching the Gaithers on TV or something, whatever. They watch the Gaithers a lot. My mom just turned over to my dad. Their, their seats are beside each other in that living room years ago. And she looked at dad, and she looked down, and she took off her glasses. And by the way, nowadays, guys' glasses and girls' ladies' glasses look a lot the same. In the morning, they had accidentally got, put on each other's glasses. It took them almost all day to figure that out. Do you know that every day, every person puts on a set of glasses? It's a way we view the world. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. And by the way, in the ancient thought, the eye was a window to the entire person. Okay? If your eyes are healthy, okay, if what you see is right, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, in other words, if you're perceiving things wrong, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, what or how great is that darkness? Jesus here is talking about our world view. Our worldview. Worldview can be defined this way. So what we put on, the glasses we put on to view reality and make sense of 
the world around us. It's how I interpret things. We've got five granddaughters, by the way. Um, Linda and I have two sons. Uh, one's in Central Oregon, and the other one lives in uh, Scotland. And if you think that's exotic, kind of, but not. It's always, it's always a, you know, going there is, takes time and some money, so that's, which is fine. But we have uh, twin uh, granddaughters. We have a set of twins. And uh, Margaret, I hope this doesn't get to them, but she's, she's now four. But at three years old, she learned this wonderful phrase. She learned this phrase, sharing is caring. And what she did with her siblings, and she's got two little sisters, one's a twin and then an older sister, she would go up to them and she would grab what she wanted and she'd look into their eyes and she'd go, caring is sharing. And she'd go over and do, and from, from Margaret's point of view, caring is sharing meant that she got everything. Because her interpretation of the world, much like every child, is the world revolves around me, right? Perception. If I'm a humanist, a secularist, if I believe that I'm a product of evolution, I'm going to nothing, it's going to change how I view life, how I view morals, the decisions I make every day. If I'm a secularist and I believe there's no God and I can do what I want because I'm just a product of chance, it's going to view how I live my life. If I believe that there's a God who loves me, if I believe that God cared for me so much that he sent his son into this world, not only to live a perfect life, but to die a perfect death and was raised again to give me life, abundant and eternal. If I believe I can have a relationship with him and live a life of victory, it's going to change how I live every day. It's the glasses I put on every time I wake up. Now, here's the scary thing, and I'm saying this about myself. It's pretty hard these days to have 20-20 vision because we are impacted by the culture, by the media, by those that we associate far more than we think we are. And the world is making a greater impact than we're making on it. And a lot has to do with our eyesight, our perception, our perception, how we look at things. So how do we have a proper worldview? Okay, I'm going to tell you how. <laughs> There's only one thing. You ready for it? You want to guess it? We get a proper worldview through the Word of God. There, I'm telling you, there is no other place to go. The word of God. You know, it's interesting, the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 105 said, your word is a lamp. It's a light, right? It's a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That's why you and I need to spend time every day in God's word. A while back, um, a large megachurch did a survey, and they surveyed thousands of people, and they asked one question, what is the number one thing 
that has allowed you to grow as a Christian. And you know, it, coming to church is important, but it wasn't coming to church. It was, get this, it was reading my Bible every day. Remember that? We, we learned that song in Sunday school. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Remember that? Some of you remember that. You go, grow, 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 you know? The Bible, why? Because it gives us the direction. It, it's God's instruction manual on how we should perceive and live our lives. I can't tell you how important it is to get back to the Bible. Get back to the Bible. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Don't love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you cannot love the Father. Our foolish pride comes from this world, and so do our selfish desires and a desire to have everything we see. None of this comes from the Father. The world and the desires it causes are disappearing. But if we obey God, we will live forever. So, how are you seeing? What's your answer to that question? How you answer that question will determine the impact you have in life. Question number three. Last one, who am I serving? This is probably the most powerful, pivotal point in the Sermon on the Mount. Not just the passage that we read today, but the entire Sermon on the Mount hinges on this question. Ultimately, who's in charge of my life? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Most of your Bibles, it may say God or mammon. Okay, um, It's much more than money here. It has to do with that world values, that world materialism. Um, you could re-paraphrase this verse to say, you cannot serve both God and the false God of money, materialism, and worldly gain. You can't be serving God and the world at the same time. It's impossible. Another story about my, uh, my parents in seeing. Um, since that little you know, exchanging of, of glasses, um, my dad, by the way, my dad on Saturday, just yesterday turned 95 years old. So he's in rehab. He's, he got COVID, and I, I'm not going to tell you his, his medical stuff, but uh, he's in uh, rehab right now. But he can't see. He's almost, I mean, he's blind. He's blind. So one of the things he's done, and they live in Homewoods, a very, I don't know if you know it's a, a retirement home. And they've got a large screen. And what my dad does is he now uses binoculars to watch TV. So I don't know if you've tried that. I mean, to me, that just seems a little odd. Um, but this last Christmas here, it's been a year now, about this time, actually, um, he was watching a basketball game looking through his binoculars. 
True, this is not a joke. This is a true story. And he was watching the, uh, the game, and all of a sudden, two angels appeared in his binoculars. And um, he thought he was going to die. He thought this was God calling him home. So he started to pray. He goes, you know, God, I, I really don't feel that sick right now, uh, but if it's your time to take me home, I'm, I'm ready. And he goes, but you know, in a week, my daughter is coming down from Canada. We grew up in Canada. Is going to come from Canada, and all, the, all my kids are going to be together, and I'd love to see all my kids together. It'd be great to live another week just to be, be with them all. And he's going all through this thing, and all of a sudden, he realized, and I'm not sure, I asked, my, I asked him, well, how did you finally figure it out? But what had happened as he was watching the game, and somehow he allowed the monoculars to droop onto the nativity set. And he was looking at the angel in the nativity set. Now, the interesting, and by the way, he, this was a real event for him. I mean, it was not like, I mean, he thought it was, I'm, go, I'm going. But, but he, he shared this with the family, and he said, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to go because I know who I'm serving. I know, I know who's in charge of my life. I know who's, who's in charge of my life. And secondly, it's great to be with the family, right? It was great to be there. And he's still with us at 95. Who are you serving? Who really is the Lord of our lives? I don't know about for you, it's easy, to, I'll tell you what, it's easy to say the right things. It's a lot more difficult to live the right things. Here's some symptoms of serving mammon, okay, rather than God. I got a list here. You ready for them? I'm more concerned about my possessions than a person who is lost and far from God. Someone said it this way. I'm more upset from a scratch on my car than the fact my neighbor is going to hell. That's a little bit more blunt. In fact, I think we, I think we can dis determine what really matters to us by what upsets us, by what worries us. Uh, here's another symptom. I'm, I struggle with envy. I find myself wanting what others have while not being grateful for what God has given me. I use money and materialism for security rather than my relationship with God. Here's another one. I lack self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. I overspend and mismanage my finances. I fail to realize that all I have is God's only on loan to me for a while. I have a hard time giving, especially my tithes and offerings. I never have enough. I'm chronically dis, uh, discontent. Um, I have an exaggerated emphasis on positions and possessions. Just some ways that we can get caught up in serving mammon rather than God. You know, one of the things our world, it's interesting what our world thinks is bad and what our world thinks is okay. One of the things our world still thinks is bad is adultery. Even, it's not, it's not I mean, people do it, but it's still looked on, it's still frowned upon. I share that with you because Jesus said, or the Bible says, that when we don't fully serve God, get this, are you ready? They're in your notes. 
When we don't serve God, we commit spiritual adultery. Now, some of you go, where, well, come on, where does it say that? Well, look at your notes. James 4.4. 4. Can you imagine getting a letter that and when James wrote these, you know, and, and here it is. And this letter that he wrote says this, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. By the way, the word world there needs to be clarified. Uh, world in the Bible is used different ways. For example, God created the world in what? Said it was good. In John 3.16, it says what? God so loved the world. So there's a world that we are to love. The world here is talking about that world of materialism, that world of secularism, that world that goes contrary to the principles and systems of God. That's what the world here means. And the Bible says, if we start to flirt with that, if we start to enter into that world, we are committing spiritual adultery, and we, can never, we cannot consider ourselves a friend of God. So this is a huge question for you and me. Who am I serving? One of the greatest examples of a person making a commitment was Joshua as he stood before Israel. This is in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. I'm going to read the section here. Joshua chapter 24, 14 through 15, and then I'm going to close. He said, of course, Joshua was an amazing leader, right? Took the children of Israel across the Jordan, conquered much of Canaan, and yet they were wondering, they're floundering in their commitment, they're floundering in their, their, their faith. And Joshua stood before the people, and he said, So revere Jehovah, and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in, in Egypt. Worship the Lord alone. But if you're unwilling to obey the Lord, then decide today whom you will obey. Will it be the gods of your ancestors before the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites here in this land? And here's that phrase. In fact, this is in some of your homes, all right? But it's for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word and how it challenges us. And Lord, as we think of these questions that you've left us in this message, each one of us need to spend some time examining our own hearts. This is not a message for my neighbor or for somebody else in the church or whoever. It's, it's a message for me, Lord. And so, Lord, help us to store up things that last. Help us to be giving, generous, gracious people. Help us, Lord, in how we see things. Help us to see the world from your perspective. Help, help us to commit more to your word and understand what you'd have us do. And then, Lord... Help us to surrender. I'm reminded of that hymn we, we sing so often, I surrender all.
make that our prayer, that we'd surrender everything to you. And Lord, as we do that, that you'd use us, that you'd fill us to impact the world around us. In your name we pray, amen.